listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of ST Times. And now, here's Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of ST Times. Yes, hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this uh, most recent edition of the What the Dev podcast on ST Times. Today, I'm talking with Olivier Godin. He's the co-founder of a company called Sonarsource. Uh, which uh, was created to help organizations get to a state of what they call clean code uh, with uh, uh, their solution, which is uh, open source. So, uh, Olivier, thanks for being with us today. Hello, David. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, I would like to start uh, basically just with how do you define clean code and, and what do you mean by that when you say it? Yeah, sure. So, so basically, if you think about a software um, a lot of uh, a lot of focus is put on the on the application itself but actually the application is made of code you could argue that the whole behavior or performance of an application is in code and the code actually contains two things one is it contains what the software is going to do for you so all the business logic all the functional part of it which generally we we really think well about and then there is another part, a little bit like with a tree, which is all the roots. Uh, you, you know, for, to have a nice tree, you need to have solid roots. Mm -hmm. And this is what also the, the code contains, which is it contains the roots of the of the of the code on it. Basically, what we do at SonarSource, we make sure that the roots are going to be strong, so that your software can really uh, be uh, be nice. And we look at so we, we call that clean code, code meaning any code. It's like test code, configuration, infrastructure, application code, of course, but also third-party code. So all the code that made your application, we look at. And then we look at it um, in a very holistic view, which is we want to make sure that all the characteristics of your code are going to be fine. So here we are talking about security robustness, reliability, maintainability, reliability, sorry, um, readability, portability, safety, etc. Everything which is required to have a great software. Are those what you uh, talk about when you talk about the roots uh, of an application or the roots of the code? That's that's exactly right. This is this. We look at all these properties of the code, and we help we help organization to really uh, have them have them right. Right. So what is it that is preventing organizations from doing this uh, without any kind of a tool? I mean, we have practices in place where uh, you have peer coding, you have code reviews, you have all these kinds of things that I guess are designed to help people achieve some state of clean code. So. so Yes, I think I think there are two. Um, the, I think there are two parts here in my uh, in my answer. One is um, sometimes it can be. It's not easy for a human being to um, to verify. I would say the technical side of the code, which is one, it's a it's a bit boring, and you would have to uh, to to put a lot of focus on attention to kind of catch all the small um, things, mm -hmm. and and also sometimes it's difficult to find some of this problem. You know, if you think about a security issue, mm -hmm. it might be through thousands of lines of code that um, uh, uh, an, um, a security problem is going to flow. Um, you know, 
a user injects this, it never gets sanitized, and then it reaches a database. It's a problem. It would be very difficult for a human to actually catch this. And my philosophy about this is um, code review should really be about high-level architecture and uh, functional side, which is you want people to review whether the solution um, that is being built is, is right um, provide feedback here. Anything that is technical, when it can be automated, I think you have better to automate it. You are going to save time. It's going to be, it's going to be more rigorous. So, so this is where we come into play. Mm-hmm. Now to your question of why, why is this not more? I think you, you were asking also, why do people not do it already? Is that, uh, did yeah. I get it right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think here uh, tools have been around for for a while, and um, and we have been around for a while. I mean, fourteen years uh, at Sonar Source, and I, I wouldn't say we have uh, reinvented the wheel, which is all the concepts that we help organization with. They have been known for ten, fifteen. 20, 30, sometimes 50 years. Like code should not be complex. You need consistency. Um, you, you want to check for security, etc. Um, I think what the industry has failed to do is to use it consistently, which is everybody knows it should be done. The tool shows the data. There are tools around products that can show you uh, the information so that now you know, basically. But I think what um, what the players in this market have failed to do is to offer a pass to remediation, which um, we started to do with something that we called uh, that we call clean as you code, which is um, the most optimal way to actually um, uh, clean the, uh, the code in your organization. Right. So let me ask you: Isn't uh, you know this whole notion of uh, DevOps and moving more quickly? Um, you know, and, and they put squads of people together as everything is kind of shifted left. Aren't these kind of behaviors and activities and practices designed to help organizations achieve that state? I think, I think yes, they put the framework to achieve that state. But unless you make decisions about what's going to be acceptable as code or not, you can, you can think of me the way I describe, uh, you're not going to succeed. And I think you can think of DevOps as a way to uh, produce software in a more repeatable and predictable manner. Unless you you set a certain standard for your code, you can you could arguably say that DevOps is going to help you to uh, to deliver in a more predictable and repeatable manner uh, dirty code or bad code. Um, but if, but if you put in your DevOps uh, toolchain, if you put this requirement, then indeed you are gonna you are gonna achieve at some stage uh, the state of clean code. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, you know, one of the other problems I know that organizations deal with a lot is you know the the problem of turnover uh, on their teams and what have you, and and you have new people coming in and inheriting applications that were written by somebody else or cobbled together from various pieces that perhaps. You know, nobody's looked, uh, you know, in a while until an application fails of, of you know, what uh, dependencies they have and, and things of that nature. So I guess what you're talking about is also designed to help organizations with those kinds of problems. Absolutely. And I would say two, um, two, two fold answer. 
One is if code is cleaner, easier to read, uh, if it is easy to understand, um, it's going to be easier to maintain. Mm-hmm. That's one aspect. And the second aspect is from a collective ownership of the code, it's going to be more likely that people are um, happy to actually own that code. Uh, in other words, when people just write their, their code in their own style, with their own um, standard, own conventions, etc., etc., it's very unlikely that one is it's going to be easy for other people to understand, and two is these other people are going to be um, uh, ready to own that code. So it 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 does trigger. Um, a lot of good things to, uh, to to clean the code. I would also argue that if you think about a developer, a developer is dealing with code all day. If the code is no good, um, it's, it means that the developer does not really have a great work environment. I would argue that if the, if the work environment gets better, um, organization would see less attrition of their, um, of their engineers. Right. Well, isn't isn't a lot of that a function of everybody trying to just drive for speed and, you know, get things done more quickly? And obviously things are going to fall by the wayside when you're moving at the speed that organizations are pressing to get software delivered. Uh, and, And the other part of that, I guess, would be also the complexity of modern applications where you have... Uh, APIs calling into third-party components that may or not may or may not be well understood, right? So, uh, are these like some of the drivers that you're seeing that that are creating these kinds of issues? I, I think I would I would argue both ways here, um, which is to me writing the right clean code or bad code costs exactly the same, right? It, it does cost the same. You do it right, you do it wrong, it's the same cost. The problem lies more in the fact that organizations don't put today something that is going to provide a very short feedback loop. And therefore, and therefore when somebody does it wrong, it only gets caught a few hours, days, or sometimes months or years later. And this is where what you mean, uh, what you, sorry, what you said um, is very meaningful, which is because of the speed um, of the pace we want to move to, we don't have time to come back and fix. But the problem, to me, the solution to this is to actually do it right initially. So when you write the code, you get immediate feedback, you can adjust it, and you don't have to come back to this. And in that case, it it is a per, it perfectly fits with the current pace at which organizations want to develop. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know that seems to be a growing market. We're hearing from a lot of um, software tool developer tool providers uh, that uh, you know obviously the move to automation. Uh, is critical in that that will help you again, you know, find a lot of the problems that you may not have the time to find or the expertise to find, or even uh, begin to know where to look. Now, does, now is it, how important is it for those tools o- to offer some kind of uh, remediation suggestions as well, as opposed to just flagging something as being not great, but saying here's how you would take care of fixing that. 
I think I think the the the, the remediation is a very nice complement to finding flagging mm-hmm. um, the issues. I w- I wouldn't say I wouldn't think it will replace um, uh, the the human to do this because there can be subtleties in the code, and you always you you will probably always want to have some sort of um, validation from the developer. But there are certainly a way to make the people more productive and not spend time on. Uh, easy to fix issues i i would say that on top of finding the problem and correcting it which is what we are talking about right now there is a third aspect which is the need to be um how can i describe it policies or um uh, they need to be standards which are defined for code where we don't leave it up to the developer to choose what is the standard of code they are, uh, that they are writing, which is certain things should not be acceptable from an organization point of view. Like if you are introducing a blocker security problem, vulnerability, um, you shouldn't be allowed to do this. So to me, this is about um, this, this kind of tools are about finding problems, helping to solve them, but they are also about setting the policy uh, on the standard for the code. Right. It seems this, like it seems like this is uh, you know kind of gets at the core of who developers are and what they want to be. Uh, you know, they've always been thought of as you know these guys who sit in their basement in the dark at three o'clock in the morning, listening to heavy metal music, drinking tons of caffeine, and being artists more than. Uh, scientists, so to speak, you know, they're just creating their software as a work of art for them. So by imposing these things on them, does that create an environment that might make them want to look elsewhere for work? I personally don't think so. Um, I think this is um, what what I've been doing this for 14 years with that philosophy in mind, which is to me, I think developers like most um, people in the world, uh, if they get the chance to do a better job, mm-hmm. they, they will actually take it and they will be happy and proud to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we are, I don't think we are asking, you know, um, back to my example, which is sure a bit extreme, but back to my example, if you know you were about to introduce a security problem and something flags it to you and ask you to fix it, I really, and, and this is where talking about pushing that to, you know, shipping that to production, I yeah. I really don't see how it could lead a developer to quit their job. I think it would, it would, it should uh, make uh, developers feel safe. Yeah. You know, like there is a safety net that helps me to, uh, to be a better developer and do a better job here. So I would, I would really not think so. Uh-huh. Yeah. We talk about all the times, you know, organizations wanted to put up guardrails, uh, to prevent uh, developers from going too far, of course. And I guess there's nothing wrong with setting standards, uh, you know, and having some rules about the, the types of tools you use and things like that. Um, but, yes, uh, I think it really depends what kind of rules. I've been in organization where, uh, yes, the, the guardrails were, didn't make sense. Here, I think we are mostly talking about basic um, basic quality of your work, which is, fairly standard, not not specific at all in your organization. They are like um, industry best practices. Right. 
great. Well, all right. So uh, Olivia Godin is the co-founder of uh, Sonar Source. Thanks so much for your time today. Very interesting conversation. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much, David. It was a pleasure. And to all our listeners, thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of SD Times. So long for now. <laughs>